Coming up on the Backstop Podcast, the Red Sox seek to continue their winning streak with another sweep. Could they pull it off against the Twins? And why did Cora get ejected in the game? We have more news around the MLB and the Red Sox next opponent. The Boston Red Sox hit the field looking to get back on top of the American League East. We're breaking down every pitch all season long on OB's Backstop Podcast, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 10 on the Backstop Podcast. I'm your host, Over Knees, with Sean Scanlon. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to talk some Red Sox baseball. I know I, I haven't been on since the start of the season, so we got got a lot to talk about, uh, especially that nine-game winning streak, which I hope could have continued today, but you, you can't win every game, and it's uh, definitely a good, good start to the season after uh, being swept by the Orioles early. Especially when a lot of people have been downing out the Red Sox, assuming that they're going to finish fourth place by the 162nd game so clearly the 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 media and the statistics the analytics and everything pretty much don't know what's going on with red sox baseball but hey the red sox are firing on all cylinders they came into the series against the twins with a six game winning streak however monday's game was postponed due to safety and concerns in the twin city after the police shooting that took place a day prior. But Tuesday was a snowy day, and Rafael Devers didn't bother. He didn't care. He really didn't care, as he continued his home run streak to four as he belted a solo home run in the top of the ninth inning, giving the Red Sox a 4-2 win. Martin Perez got the win as he pitched five innings and gave up only two earned runs. Matt Barnes picked up his first save of the season. On Wednesday, it was a doubleheader. In the first game, the Red Sox extended their winning streak with a 3-2 win. In the second game, the Red Sox continued as they reached nine straight wins with a 7-1 victory. But on Thursday, it was a different story. Mike Panetta, which we all know he was a former Yankee, owns the Red Sox. I mean, that guy, he clearly knows how to pitch against Boston. And he lasted for seven innings. He only gave up two hits. And he struck out six batters. Overall, the Red Sox struck out 10 times on that game. But then came Hansel Robles, came in relief, and the Red Sox bats came alive. And thankfully enough, Alex Verdugo doubled to left field with the bases loaded. Christian Arroyo, Hunter Renfro, and Marvin Gonzalez scored to tie the game 3-3. But in the bottom of the ninth inning, Adam Altavino came in relief for the Red Sox and could not stop the Twins. Max Kepler drove in the winning run to avoid the sweep as the Twins ended the nine-game winning streak and also avoided the sweep as the Twins win for the three. But the biggest part of the game was the ejection of Alex Cora. Now, what was your take on that? I, I mean, that was absolutely terrible. There are even, you know, Remy and David O'Brien were saying that on the broadcast, but I mean, that's, I don't get how that's not reviewable. I mean, it was clear day, clear in daylight that he didn't hit the ball and that it, it wasn't a foul tip. And luckily, you know, uh, we were able to get the strikeout anyways, but I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, it was a bogus call. And I mean, luckily, 
you know, like I said, they got the strikeout anyways, but it, it could have been terrible because they had runners in scoring position. I mean, they could have got, you know, runs right there. So, I mean, they ended up winning the game anyways, but it could have looked a lot worse in the scoreboard just because of a, a missed call, which, you know, especially on today's game where they were reviewing everything, it, it took forever to get through the game. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the fact that they can't review this one was, was pretty bogus. So I was definitely, I understand why Alex Core was upset and I'm, I'm pretty glad that he got tossed from the game because uh, it he had he definitely had a, a good reasoning behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And to carry on on that, I'm looking at the rules of what is reviewable. And when it comes to foul balls, because again, the umpires called the foul ball and clearly the batter missed, okay, missed the ball. And Dries threw a curveball that was up and went downwards, and he clearly missed the pitch. And yet, the umpire said it was a foul ball. Now, it specifies here a specified fair and foul ball calls. Calls involving a decision regarding whether a batted ball was foul are reviewable only on balls that first land at or beyond set positions of the first or third base umpire. Now, I clearly, clearly suggest that the Major League Baseball, the committee, the, the Players Association, anyone that in regards to regulating these rules need to make this adjustment right away. Because, look, if this was a playoff game, oh, my God, we would be raising hell right now. Because you're right. What if the batter was able to swing away on the very next pitch and then all of a sudden it will be a single with two runs scored? And especially is in the eighth inning. Yeah. Yeah. Tie game in the eighth inning. That's that absolutely. Like that it, it, it's just ridiculous, man. It really is. And then you and then the umpires. Let me let me tell you, as of late and especially in the start of the season, when the umpires go and review, why is it taking five minutes? Instant, I, isn't there a set time? Yeah, they, they installed the rule this year where they're supposed to do it in under two minutes. Yeah, I mean, they've been taking forever, which, I mean, it just takes away from the fun of the game. You you go away for these stupid reviews that, I mean, these umpires should be able to call it. I, I get that some of these times that, you know, it's kind of hard to tell right on the spot. But, I mean, you're you're trained professionals. You're, you're supposed to, you know, be good at your job. But, yeah, they take forever to do it. And it just takes away from the fun of the game. It takes away from the mo momentum of the team. So, I definitely think it, that's that's something that kills the, the fun of the baseball game. I don't understand how you could go call New York and be like, hey, can you review the play for me? I mean, where's the guy that's supposed to be at the press box? I mean, look, yeah. didn't we not learn from the XFL 2.0 on how to do an instant replay? I mean, the guy's literally right there talking to yeah. the referee. That's a good point. Be like, hey, look. And the fact that it's live on TV, that they actually showed the guy working at the replay booth say, yep. I see it. I see it. Hey, that was an out or that was fair. Whatever the case may be. Why are you calling New York? It was it. Was it the reception? You know what I mean? Yeah. Was, it, was their internet going down and stuff? I mean, I don't know, man. You know, I, I feel like this is ridiculous. I think uh, something better should happen. You know, some improvement on instant replay. Because if not, listen, your goal is to continue the pace, the fast pace of baseball. And stopping the game just because the umpires can't get the right call, there's, there's got to be something. There's got to be a solution. And it has to be quick. All right? And the fact that, look, the umpires are not even, they're not regulating the game correctly. You see almost every game or something that something goes wrong, and it's always against the umpires on not making the right decision. 
So it has something has to be made. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, that's like you said, they're they're trying to pick up the pace of the game just so it's it's more you know more watchable for the younger crowd because obviously you know the younger generation doesn't they're not huge into baseball, but it, they're trying to liven up the game and then just you know taking those long reviews definitely just definitely you know slows down the pace and uh, especially for a, a slower game like baseball, it doesn't make it any more fun to watch. Absolutely. But hey, let's look at the bright side. The Red Sox are on top of the American League East, and we'll be covering that shortly. But it is a surprise how the Russas have responded after being swept at Fenway Park three games against the Orioles to come back, sweep the Rays, have the, the revenge series against the Royals sweep them, and move on to a four-game series that it took the fourth game for the Twins you know, to actually stop the Red Sox and stop that winning streak to nine. So I take that anytime, and we're not expecting the Red Sox to win every game. But this is a surprise, especially the roster that they have when they mainly really strike out a lot. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, and the most notable Red Sox roster of this series, Alex Verdugo stepped up to the plate. You had Hunter Renfro, Rafael Devers is, is swinging the bat very well. I mean, the, the fourth game, he didn't do so well. He, he, he got shut down. But his defense has stepped up, too. I mean, he caught a line drive that could have been damaging. That's what ended the inning on that bottom of the eighth inning. Runners at second and third for the Twins. And a line drive right straight to Devers. Boom. That's it. End of story. And now we're moving on to the ninth inning. All right. Christian Arroyo doing a fascinating job. Starting pitches like Nathan Ovaldi, Martin Perez. I mean, fabulous starters. I can't. You can't ask for much for what they have done so far. Matt Barnes is coming around. He had two saves in this series. And Darwinson Hernandez has two holds. You know, and that's big because, look, we're expecting Adam Otavino to be that guy in the eighth inning, and he hasn't showed anything, all right? And he, is, he has an ERA of 9.82, all right? So if I'm looking at this right now, if I was at his quarter, I'd be like, look, by the midway season, I'm looking at it. I was like, look, Matt Barnes is my closer, and Darwinson Hernandez just won himself to be the king of the eighth inning. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Darwin's in Hernandez. I think that he's been really good. Uh, really good. He's had trouble with his control at times, but uh, this season it hasn't been too much of a problem. Uh, I think he's got a really good fastball, and he's he's had good command. And uh, other than Adam Adovino, I think this bullpen as a whole has been doing really good. You got guys like Matt Andres, who, you know, he has some some really nasty cutters and uh, curveballs, and he's been able to keep runners off base. And then you guys got got guys like Sawamara, who, you know, came over from Japan this offseason. He's got some really nasty stuff, including his splitter. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't given up his first earned run until uh, earlier today. And then you got guys like Phillips Valdez who can come in and uh, be that eighth inning guy. So I think there's a lot of options there. Uh, I think that Matt Barnes has, you know, staked his claim as, as the closer of this team. I, I He's been electric so far. I, I did not expect this from Matt Barnes, but uh, he really, because before the season we were saying, you know, how we were kind of worried when it comes out of the bullpen. But I, I think he's he's put that doubt behind us. I, and it's still early in the season, but uh, definitely a very strong start from him. So I think that, you know, the pitching staff as a whole, uh, especially the bullpen has been holding up, except for, like you said, guys like Adam Adovino, who, you know, he couldn't hold on to that that game today we could have went into extra innings but uh you know he gave up that hit late and then you know had some base runners on so but i i think you know the pitching staff as a whole i've been really impressed with them you know not just the starters but uh 
the bullpen as well, which I mean, last year and the last couple of years, really, we haven't really gotten a lot of production out of them. But uh, I think that, you know, they're really starting to turn it around. And if we keep scoring this many runs on offense and get the uh, production from the pitching staff, I, I think that, you know, the Red Sox are in a very good spot, you know, uh, heading into the next couple of months. Yeah. Well, listen, the bats are swinging, even though they took a dip with their average batting of 248 uh, against the Twins. But they were awesome on, on the in, in the second game. 11 hits on the first game of the doubleheader, uh, eight hits in the second game, but they took a pause on the game four. Like I said, I mean, Pineda knows how to pitch the Red Sox, but the pitching itself, listen, against the Orioles, the ERA is over five, uh, but we've already seen it against the Tampa Bay Rays, the pitching staff of the Red Sox, a 2.10, and then they lowered their ERA against the Twins with a 2.03. That is pretty awesome, all right? And their strikeouts went up. Again, I know that they had their record success against the Orioles on the on the upper 30s, but uh, they struck out 23 batters all together in this four game series. You, uh, I mean, look, you can't expect a lot from that. Uh, but if you turn around to the Red Sox batters, and this has always been my concern, okay, the Red Sox struck out 33 times in the Twin series, and I keep saying it, man, that's a big concern there, okay. And that is the most, and I know it's a four-game series, but they're averaging at least 27 strikeouts a series. They need to cut that down. You get 27 yeah. outs, man. 27 yeah. outs in a game, and you're averaging 27 strikeouts. That is a lot. That's Yeah, it definitely is a lot. I think that there's a lot of guys that are, you know, high home run guys and high strikeout guys at the same time we got guys like bobby dahlbeck and hunter renfro even rafael devers strikes out a lot so there's a lot of high strikeout guys on this team and i, I think that it's obviously not what you want to see but i i think that you you kind of got to give and take with if you want a lot of runs i mean a lot of these guys are going to be striking out a lot because they're they're always swinging for the fences so i mean it's it's definitely it's not what you want to see but I, I think that that's just the way that this lineup is built so, uh, but uh, if they keep getting this many hits, I mean, I know for a couple games there, they had a, a 10, they had at least 10 hits in each game for five or six games straight. So if they can keep doing that, keep producing runs, uh, I'm, I, I think I'm fine with uh, all the strikeouts that, that, that they get. So let's look at the stack of MLB and we'll look at the batting average right now. Your main Mercedes from the Chicago White Sox, who which the rest of us will meet for the next four games. Uh, he's batting a 476. He has three home runs and 10 RBIs, a uh, total of 20 hits out of 42 at-bats. Also, Brandon Nemo from the New York Mets, he's batting a 464. Ronald Acuna from Atlanta is batting a 442. And he's Julie, Right, and Julie uh, Guriel from the Houston Astros, he's batting a 429. So right now, it's still early. Again, we've only been two weeks in the season, and we're still seeing averages over 400, at least up to five batters. So I give it take that by by May, we see these averages starting to drop and get normal here. But Vermeer Guerrero from the Toronto Blue Jays, he's surprising me, batting on 395. And he's a power hitter, but as of now, he only has two home runs and nine RBIs. But as far as the Red Sox, J.D. Martinez, he's having a comeback year this year so far within two weeks. He's batting a 378. He leads the team, not only in average, but in home runs with five. 
uh, tied with Devers. And RBIs, he has 16. And on-base percentage of 4-4-0. And he has a total of 17 hits. As far as doubles is concerned, uh, J.D. Martinez again, seven doubles with Christian Arroyo, who's coming on hot as late. He has six himself. So uh, with Martinez batting a, a, a 378, all right, uh, Alexander Bogarts, his average is going up as well. He's batting a 370. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christian Arroyo, again, uh, he, he's, he's making that run, which is very surprising, especially if you look at their careers, uh, especially for Arroyo and everybody else, except for Martinez. They're averaging nearly 250. So there's something that they're doing right. And, and the Red Sox, the batting coach, all those coaches behind in, in the dugout, they're doing something great with these players. And you got to give them props. As of right now, this is the reason why the Red Sox are in first place. Absolutely. Yeah, the bats have been alive. Uh, I know JD kind of cooled off in this this latest twin series. But before that, uh, in the first three series, he was probably the best hitter in baseball. And I, I think that, you know, you go through slumps at times in, in, uh, in a baseball season. So JD Martinez will be back. But, I mean, Xander Bogarts is, I mean, just a, one of the most consistent players on this baseball team. Year in and year out, he's going to give you uh, a great bat and great uh, defensively. But, the, like you said, other guys like Christian Arroyo, who is, I think he's a young star coming up. Uh, he doesn't just do it with his defense, but offensively, he's been on a tear lately. Um, and then you got guys like Christian Vasquez, you know, who has been really good this year. Uh, Alex Verdugo is starting to heat up. Uh, yesterday, he was absolutely on fire, even today. Uh, with that three-one double that you know let them in the game, and then Rafael Devers, you got you know who hit a home run in four straight games. So, and then you have other guys who have struggled a little bit. So, if if this whole lineup uh, starts to get going, uh, not just you know those couple guys, I think that you know they're going to be a really te- a tough team to beat because I, I think that this could be one of the most uh, high-powered offenses uh, in the entire league. Absolutely, and we'll see if that will continue in this next upcoming series. The Red Sox will score off against the Chicago White Sox in the four-game series. It is also the Boston Marathon weekend, in which the game, or which the marathon will happen this upcoming Monday, and of course that will be also the end of the White Sox series. That game will be taking place at eleven ten a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, uh. And what's also so unique is the wrestlers will be wearing the new uniforms for the first time. They will not wear any kind of red, all right? The uniform is all yellow with mm-hmm. a light blue lettering. It's almost looked like uh, a soccer team, pretty looks, much. Yeah, it looks like a UCLA. Yeah, we're, we're going FIFA up in here. Um, yeah, know, yeah, UCLA like do got the same colors, absolutely. Um but uh, hey, in game one, Nick Pavetta will got will get to start. He is two and zero. We don't know who is the pitcher for the White Sox, but Pavetta he is not a strikeout guy on the mound versus a team like the White Sox. But he has limited the White Sox to average of two forty two. Only Adam Easton has caused problems for Pavetta as he has gone five for eleven with a double and two walks. And game two, Alex Cora has not named the starter of that game yet. But we definitely know that the White Sox will have Dallas Kutchel. And if you know him, he is from the Houston, originally from Houston Astros when they won the World Series. Uh, he has locked down the Red Sox throughout his career. The Red Sox are averaging a 183. So there's no word yet. Again, who is the pitcher that will go against him? But that's one of the games that I'm worried about. 
I think it's going to be Tanner Houck. I, I think that they're going to bring him up for that game, which uh, I would be, you know, really happy to see because I think that, you know, Garrett Richards has kind of struggled so far, and I don't think that they have the option to send him down to the alternate site. So uh, as much action as we can get from Tanner Houck whenever there's an undecided starter, I, I think would be good for the team because I, he really should be on this roster right now. I just think it's it's the deepest the rotation has been since 2018, so there's really not a lot of room for him. But uh, if he ends up being the starter in game two, uh, I'm definitely going to be pleased to see that. Even though Dallas Keuchel has had a lot of success success against the Red Sox, uh, I think that this this uh, lineup will be able to you know get some hits off of him. And game three, Martin Perez returns as he goes against Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito. Perez has struggled against the White Sox. He has allowed the team to average a 3.38. Adam Eaton once again. He has been an issue with the Red Sox. Pretty much all the starting pitches, man. He's always on fire. Only Joan Makata has hit a home run off of Perez within 52 at-bats. For Giola, I'm sorry, for Giolito, he has done well. However, he has only faced five batters in the Red Sox main roster. And out of those five batters, they only average a 171. So let's see if the other batters will step up to the plate and uh, score some Score some runs. How about that? How about it? Let's do it, Ovi. Uh, I, I mean, I know Giolito, he, he's one of the better pitchers in the MLB right now. Um, he's been up for Cy Young, you know, the last couple of years. And I, I think that, you know, obviously he's had success, some success with the, you know, averaging only 171 for the batters that have faced him. But like I said, I, I believe in this uh, this offense. And I, I think that Alex Cora uh, is going to have the right matchups for Giolito. I think that there's a lot of versatility in this lineup, so you can mix and match who you want to play where. You could either go Gonzalez or Dahlbeck at first. You can go either Arroyo or Kika Hernandez at second, depending on who has had success against the other starting pitcher and whether they're righty or lefty. So that's what I like about this lineup is that they have the versatility to match up against good pitchers like Giolito, and I, I think that Alex Cora does a really good job of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see because the White Sox definitely do have a, a good uh, starting pitching rotation. And to end the series in game four, which is the Boston Marathon, the game will be at 11.10 in the morning. Evaldi will get to start versus Carlos Rondon. Evaldi has struggled against the White Sox as they average a 331. Uh, as far as Rondon, he has a similar resume, which he's allowed the Red Sox to bat over 300. So could this be a high-scoring game? Who knows? But then again, it's pretty much very early to start this game. But, hey, Major League Baseball standings as of now, midway through the week. And the AL East, of course, our Red Sox, two-and-a-half game lead up. In the Central, we have the Royals and the Indians tied. In the AOS, the Mariners are up a half a game on the Angels. The Astros, who started being in first place in that division, they have only won four of the last ten games. So they're in the downfall right now. In the National League, the East. Mets a move up to the top of the division. The National League Central, the Reds and Brewers are tied in first place. And in the West, the Dodgers are still on fire. They have won nine of the last 10 games, and they currently have the highest current win streak at five, thanks to the Red Sox losing and the Twins snapping that nine-game winning streak. Thank you so much for listening to Ovi's Backstop Podcast, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. For more, visit hhwshow.com.